Can I confess something to you this morning? I know what you're thinking, Gary, we can't handle any more of your confessions. I get it. But can I confess one more thing to you? I hate this series. No, no, I'm not saying that to say it. I'm saying I hate this teaching series. I have been teaching now, that's my 25th year preaching. And I've never had a series that I hate more than this stupid series. I hate it. Like I, like I despise it. Like I hate it so much that I get in a bad attitude and a bad mindset on my way to church knowing that I have to teach on the subjects. They're subjects I've never taught on before. And man, I've been teaching to myself and talking to myself and I just hate this series. And of course, it's a five Sunday month and we do a series every month. So I've got one more week and I despise it. Let me tell you how much I despise it. That next week we're supposed to be teaching on chasing comfort. Chasing comfort. So many people live their life trying to chase comfort and have a comfortable life. And actually, of all the subjects, that's probably the one subject that I am probably the opposite of. I seem to chase discomfort in life. And um, I can't relate to chasing comfort. Things get comfortable and I get itchy, man. I get like weird about it. So I'm unqualified to probably teach on next week's subject. So actually, Christine is going to teach on that subject next week. So you'll get some good preaching next week. She was debating it. Now she's all in because I announced it from the stage. That's part of my evil plan. I have a two-day festival next week. And man, I'm like, she's teaching. God, the great chase. The great chase. Chasing things that we think will bring us fulfillment but leave us empty. The great chase. We're all guilty of it. For all of us, we're chasing different things. Depending on where we are in life, we're chasing different things at different times in life. And then if you're really screwed up like me, you're four weeks into the series and realize you're chasing all four things at the same time. First week we talked about chasing fame and people are like, that doesn't apply to me, but it does. Because we post stuff on Facebook wanting people to notice it. We talked about chasing money. Last week we talked about chasing perfection. Let me tell you the, the easiest way not to live a life close to perfection. Chase perfection. It's an impossible task. It's an unattainable goal. And what happens is in our desire to chase it, we actually end up going in the opposite direction. The great chase. I actually thought as I began to prepare for this week's message that I was exempt from today's subject too. I would have told you this would have been one of the areas that I have a lot of victory in. And, and I think I do. I, to be honest, in the interest of full disclosure, I beat myself up for three weeks. I have a lot of victory in this particular area depending on what day of the week it is. Depending on what hour of what day it is. I do really good in this area and don't even realize I'm chasing this at times. But when I do, it always derails me. I want to talk to you today about the pursuit of approval. <laughs> the pursuit of approval. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? The battle... We're trying to please people over pleasing God. Because let me make it real clear to you, you cannot do both. The pursuit of approval. If I can get a little help from all of you this morning, I want you to be honest. I know it's hard, it's church. I always say that and people are like, do you really mean that? I mean, I think the hardest place to be truthful is church. Because... 
We care so much about what other people think. Oh, we want their approval. And we know if we don't line up to what they think, there ain't nobody that can judge you like Christians can. There's nobody that can look down on you like Christians can. There's nobody that can talk crap about you like Christians can. There's no group of people that have received more grace than those that are Christ followers and give less of it. So it's hard to be honest because if we're honest, they're going to talk about us. You can get up and say, hey, respect our privacy and don't gossip. I think I did that last Sunday. And guess what people have done? They've gossiped all week. Just what they do. People are odd. But I want you to be honest this morning. I know it's hard. I want you to raise your hands. How many of you say, Gary, I probably care too much about what others think? Leave them up, leave them up. Don't be shy, don't be shy, don't be shy. Now, leave them up. Now, some of you only raised your hands because you thought you were supposed to. Because you wanted the approval. You can put your hands down. I read this quote from a lady named Harriet Breaker this week. She writes this. She says, the, de- the disease to please is actually a form of addiction. She says, like a drug addict seeks drugs, people pleasers seek approval. The thought of someone not liking us is hard. And it's weird. For me, it doesn't manifest itself like it does for others because in a lot of ways, I I don't worry about what other people think. But then in a lot of ways, I worry a lot about what other people think. Three problems for people pleasers. Three problems that people pleasers battle. You obsess, number one, over what people think. Do you like my new outfit? Man, did they like the way I worded that? Man, did they like the meal that I cooked? Did they like the way I went about doing that job? Do you, do you, man, do you like the music that I listen to? Do you like my hairstyle? You know, we'll go get a new haircut and what do we do? We ask our friends, do you, do you like it? Who cares if they like it? Right? Do you like it? Oh my God, I posted that picture and not a lot of people liked it. Or I posted that picture, oh man, so many people liked it. Uh, Are we okay? I sent you a text message and you didn't respond. (laughs) She just called him out, boy, right here. She said, Alan! Alan does that. In case y'all didn't know online, Alan Barrows. Find him on Facebook. If if you listen, if he texts you, you better respond. I swore. I listen. I kid you not. I said, man, I am turning over a new leaf. I am not going to cuss on stage anymore. But damn, (laughs) threw him under the bus. And then you put that joker in reverse and ran back over him. God, I love her. You know, I love her because she ain't my wife. <laughs> she ain't the one to put me on the bus. Woo! <laughs> I mean, we're bad about that. Like, I get people all the time, like, I texted you. I'm like, yeah, I got your text. You didn't respond. I said, there was nothing to respond to. Like, you just told me something. What was I supposed to do? Well, you were going to respond. I saw the dots. I saw the dots form and you changed your mind. Did did it upset you? No, I'm busy. You know, like, do you like me? It's just funny, man. We we obsess over what people think. I'm guilty of this. You know, probably the most vulnerable time. You're probably going to find this shocking. For me, is right after I preach. 
I go out to the lobby, shake hands and kiss babies. Every single solitary week, then you know what I do? I get in my truck. I pull out of this parking lot to go eat with my friends and my wife every single week. And from the time I pull out of this parking lot till I make it to that red light at Chevron, what, 400 feet? I call Christine. I don't know why I call her. I'm fixing to go have lunch with her. I just left her. Oh, I know why I call her. Because the first thing out of my mouth every week is what? How'd the sermon go? Well, it was great. Nah, nah, what about blah, 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 yeah. No, I liked, it was good. I need, I need her approval. Every single week. Even if we're mad at each other. I want to know between there and there, how'd that sermon go? Because I'm beating myself up about it. You say, you really do that? Always, every single week. See, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm guilty of obsessing. I use that word intentionally. Obsessing over what other people think. Now, again, I have a weird way of approval. There's things, certain things that don't bother me. You've heard my thing, do you know me? Do you love me? Do you believe in me? If you don't meet those criteria, I don't care what you think about me, but those three things, man, that, I want to know. And we're so guilty of this. It's just amazing. We do it. We do it in so many weird areas because we want people's approval. The second thing is, is people that seek approval is they're often overly sensitive to criticism. They can't handle it. You can compliment somebody a hundred times as their friend, but the first time you tell them, hey, you probably need to work on this, they get sensitive. Christine, in the interest of full disclosure, and I give you permission to be totally honest, not like Leah, a Leah-level honesty over there. Like, say it with some love. How do I respond to criticism? Very poorly. Mm-hmm. Not good. I get irritated. Now, I had this weird thing that normally a little while after the criticism and after my feelings have been hurt, my initial reaction, I'm actually pretty good at receiving it. I come back and be like, you know, you were right, blah, blah. But then it's too late because they're mad. Because I'm like, don't, don't tell me. You don't even know what I'm trying to do. You don't understand. That's why you said that. But we're all guilty of that, man. Supervisor at work, man, comes up to you, makes a suggestion on how you can be more productive, and you automatically get defensive. You fall apart. You get one negative comment on your social media, man, you're ready to blow the whole world up. Your child tells you what they really think about your parenting. Man, we're so guilty of it. A hundred people can come give us positive feedback and one gives us negative, and we don't like it. I, I deal a lot with bands, music. It's always funny to me. I don't book bands that I don't like. And I don't book bands that I don't think are good. But I see a lot of bands, and I, I had this weird ability to see the way things, I, let me, I had this weird ability to see things the way I think they ought to be. How about that? I'm not saying I'm always right. But it's funny, I can compliment a musician and compliment, 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 and then I say, hey, man, here's one thing you ought to work on. And immediately, boy, they get defensive. They get mad. What? What? Uh, like, I, I have a musician who won't play for me anymore because I gave him one suggestion. I'm like, dude, I've booked you probably 12 times in 10 years. I've used you a lot. Obviously, I think you're talented. I was just saying, hey, man, here, you, and here, here was the funny thing. He asked my opinion. What do you think about X, Y, Z? Okay. Since you just asked me, let me tell you what I actually think about that. But it wasn't the answer he wanted. He wanted me to affirm him. And even though I have affirmed him in a hundred areas, got defensive over the one area I didn't affirm him in. Most people's approval. We, we don't respond good to criticism. It fires us up. 
When someone criticizes something we do, we really, really, really obsess over it. I don't know why, I don't know why we can't shake it. Here's why, because we seek the approval of people. It's funny sometimes. We seek the approval of people that we technically don't even know. Now, that's one of the areas I think, again, I, I do have some victory. I, this is probably one of the better areas in my life. I had someone make a very derogatory comment on one of my posts recently. And some of you messaged me and said, what do you think about that? Are you cool? And I'm like, I don't even really know who that guy is. I don't care. Well, hi, bye, bye. And I was like, I don't care. So I do really good with people I don't know. But the reality is I don't do so good with people I do know because I, I don't want to hear the negative. We keep it real around here, right? I was pretty honest with you guys last week about some struggles I'm dealing with. As a family should, many of you came to me one-on-one this week. And because of my actions, some of the things you came to me about were in a critical nature. Rightfully so. It's funny, those that I felt had earned the right to say that, it didn't bother me. Those who I didn't feel had earned the right, it bothered me, even though they were saying the same thing the other people were, and they came to me out of love. We seek people's approval. Caught myself getting attitude. You want to come to me about this? When I know that about you? My wife says I like to play ping pong with people. I'm a people pleaser. I want their approval. And when I feel like they don't approve of me, my defense mechanism is let me attack them. Oh, yeah, you think I got an issue? <laughs> you know what I know about you? Match point serve. Like two wrongs make a right. You know. So how do you know you are people who you obsess over what people think? They're often overly sensitive to criticism. Last one, you have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time saying no. When we're obsessed about what other people think about us, we have a hard time saying no, even when we know we should say no. When we worry about what other people think about us, we catch ourselves avoiding conflict at all costs. You don't want to hurt someone else's feelings, so you're going to try to do everything you can to smooth it out. You, you're, you're already juggling 20 balls, and they throw another ball in, but you don't, you don't want to think about somebody, you just start trying to juggle more. Instead of just being honest and saying, man, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that right now. I can't do that right now. You know, the little kid comes knocking on your door, little neighbor kid, and he's selling wrapping paper. And you don't need any wrapping paper. And you can't look at the little kid and tell him no. You know. We, we just can't tell people no. Hey, man, Gary, can you think you could meet me at the building? Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, now I'm rearranging my entire schedule, 20 different things to meet them down here where they can be in the building for two minutes. They're the ones who need in the building. Why don't they rearrange their schedule around me? But I'm people pleaser, so I try to make it happen. You know. You get invited somewhere and you're dreading going. And you know that person you can't stand is going to be there and they're probably not good for your mental health. But man, you don't want anybody else to think bad about you. So what do you do? You go and you put yourself in a position that you're uncomfortable with? We can't tell people no. No, actually, I'm really good at that last one. Again, I'm told you, I'm going to tell you where I'm good and where I'm bad. I deal with it all the time as the pastor. Very few people in this church have never come up to me and been like, Got this idea, you know what ministry you should start? And I'm like, no. Well, what? what? Sounds like God laid it on your heart. I tell people all the time, I was in a, a group the other day, and they said, man, this is Gary Lynn. They introduced me. They said, man, he runs a food pantry and runs the shelter. And I said, I don't run any of that. Like, what? I said, no, I said, I preach at Action Church. Oh, but you, I said, nope, 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 nope. I don't do any of that. I said, people in our church do that. Right, but that means you. I said, no, no, it doesn't mean I do it. I don't have any idea how it works. 
I don't. I don't know. I have zero idea. That sounds weird as the pastor of the church, actually. But I have no idea how Yvonne goes about giving out food. I don't know. People that message me about that, guess what I do? Meet Yvonne. <laughs> little secret, I don't want to know. Because if I know, now y'all are going to expect me to do it, and I ain't doing it. When Tom Hunt used to do a prayer meeting, and Robin used to do a prayer meeting here, I, I couldn't even remember what day it was. Literally, you would, you would think I would remember certain things. We have an AA meeting that meets here every Friday and every Saturday, but they meet at two different times. Not a week goes by, someone doesn't message us asking what time the meeting is. When I tell you they have met over there for seven years, seven years, every week I get a message about what time, and every week I have to text Kai. Kai's the guy who runs that thing and be like, man, what time are those meetings? Literally, he's like, good Lord, how many times do I have to tell you? I don't know. I don't run it. But we get to the point that we have to say yes to everyone. Because you find it difficult to say no, you're probably a people pleaser. If you can answer yes to any of those, <laughs> you can answer yes to all of those. You're chasing approval, and approval of man will leave you lacking. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Worry about what man thinks about you will be a snare. Caring what others' thoughts are on you will prove to be a snare. Worrying whether or not people are going to stay in your life or not will prove to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I don't understand the Bible. It's so complicated. No, it's pretty easy. Pleasing man will leave you lacking. Pleasing God will leave you fulfilled. Chasing the approval of man, which really goes back to all the messages that we've taught, chasing fame, chasing money, chasing perfection, will leave you lacking. Chasing approval will leave you lacking. Chasing anything but Jesus will leave you lacking. Will leave you unfulfilled. But we're so guilty of doing it all the time. Fear of man. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That word snare is an interesting word in the actual original language. It actually is talking about a noose, a ring, that would go in between an animal's nose. And they would put this big ring between the nose. I'm sure you've seen it like on, on ox, and you've seen it on bulls, and you've seen it on cows and larger animals. The reason they do that is because they'll reach out with a hook, and they grab that ring. And when you're pulling, apparently, I should have got someone to demonstrate this. <laughs> Who's the biggest dude in the church? Who's the baddest dude in the church? Like Scott Farley. I should, eh. Scott's just a big teddy bear. But I like to stick something in his nose and I grab him with the hook. No matter how hard they say he would try to fight me, I'd be able to jerk him around. The Bible says worrying about what people think about you operates that way. It's like we have an, a, a ring in our nose and we're being tossed to and fro. And here's the problem with approval from man. This man wants us to go in this way and approves of that, and this man wants us to go in this way and approves of this, and this man wants us to go this way, and this man wants us to go this way. Everybody has plans and approval for your life, and the problem is they're all jerking you around, and you're wondering why you're getting nowhere because this one starts to pull you, then this one starts to pull you, and you find it lacking, and you can't please everybody, so you please nobody, much less God. A lot of thoughts this week on my personal life and what I should do about it. Monday was miserable. Tuesday was miserable. 
I'm going to keep it real with you. Wednesday was so miserable, I left my house and I stayed in my office to never return. How's that for dead silence? But you know what I also did when I left my house? I turned my phone off and took no more comments from anybody. Turned on praise music in my office. I've been obsessed with this song. What's that song I like, Christine? Talking with Jesus by Elevation. Man, that is a good song. Now, you need to understand about me, and I'm very OCD, and I'm, I'm, I'm compulsive that way, and so I listen to the same song over and over and over, literally two, three hundred times, until I'm so sick of the song I never want to hear it again. Kind of how I roll. And for the first time ever in my life, I'm alone. Wednesday night, I begin to, I guess, have an, a panic attack, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I've never experienced it before. I couldn't breathe. I was sweating. But boy, I'm a prideful joker. So I decided I just needed to get out of my office, and I went to the gym, because you know, as you can tell, I'm a very big gym person. And at 8.15 at night, I went to the gym, and I began to work out. Then I left there, and I went back to my office, and I slept. Then I got up Thursday morning. I had to get out of that office. I was going crazy. So I got in my car, and I began to drive. At that time, I did call David Westrick, and I talked to him all the way to LJ. I don't really know why I was going to LJ. And I got to LJ, and he hung up, and I did a U-turn and drove right back to Canton. And I went back to my office. I'd been praying. I'd been listening to God. I'd been listening to music. And I was no longer worrying about anybody's opinion, because the funny thing was, 10 people all had 10 different opinions. Kind of like the prodigal son, he said, I came to my senses. I said, I'm going freaking home. This is stupid. I got in my truck. And then you start to think, man, am I going to be allowed to go home? <laughs> but I was. And it was peace. Not because all those ten people are... 75 people who were giving me their opinion were wrong. But at the end of the day, I don't live my life to please them. I have to do what God tells me to do. I have to move how God tells me to move. And sometimes you've got to get in the muck in the mire where all you've got no choice is to look up and listen to God. That's a horrible place to be. But it's the greatest place to be. And everybody's like, why'd you get to that point? I heard, I don't care what you heard. Don't listen to everything you, don't believe everything you heard. If you knew the truth, it's really anticlimactic. If you really want to know the truth, I'll give you a little hint about the truth. The truth is this, I don't do really good about next week's message. Chasing comfort. I prefer chasing discomfort. Like when things get good, I get itchy. Probably need to get that fixed, David says. So, and Christine says. My therapist says. And the Bible says, you know, it talks a whole lot about contentment. But fear of man will prove to be a snare. You can't make the right decisions in life when you're listening to everything. Now, that doesn't mean the Bible also talks about there's wisdom and a multitude of counsel. But ultimately, you've got to listen to God. Counsel... It's simply counsel. But the problem is we try to please everybody instead of God. Reality is this. I can't live my life to please y'all. No offense. Now here's the big shocker. I can't live my life to please my children. Here's the next big shocker. I can't live my life to please that woman. I can't live my life to please... God knows I can't live my life to please me. I can't figure out what pleases me. I'm walking around yesterday at a festival. I got two festivals going on in two different cities. And I'm like, this is boring. I got an idea. (laughs) 
that I did start brewing. Ultimately, I got to live my life to please God. Here's what I found out. When I live my life to please God, and I live my life to put God first, in just a weird way, all the other things seem to fall into place. And they might not fall in the place way fall in the place the way everyone else thinks they should, but they fall into place in a in a place of peace and contentment and understanding. So we've got to quit seeking the approval of man. Fear of man, you know, fear of man is a, is a trap. It's a snare. Xander, will you put that verse back up, please? But those who trust the Lord are kept safe. Broke down that word safe. I looked it up in the original language, and it, it means comforted. It means they're in a position. I liked this phrasing. They're in a position of peace. Ah, that's a good that's a good word. It doesn't mean they're kept safe like nothing's going to go wrong in their life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted the Lord and ended up in a fiery furnace. But they ended up in there with God. Daniel refused to bow. He got thrown in a lion's den, so I don't know how safe that is. Oh, except he ended up there with God. The center of God's will is dangerous. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's safe. Because you don't do it only. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when you're going through the fire, he's going with you. When you're going through the scolding, he's going with you. When you're going through the suck, he's going with you. When you're going through the pain, when you're going through the valley, when you're going through the night and you don't know when the sun is going to come up, he's going with you. But you'll never come out the other side listening to man. Here's what I also learned this last week. It's ain't got anything to do with sermon. I'm just going to rabbit trail a little bit because that's what I do. I also learned, and I'm not trying to get on to any of you. I'm going to do some series on this, I think, next, maybe in January. Things I learned in the pit. At the end of the day, and I don't mean this in a mean way, towards any of you, and if you feel convicted by it, that's between you and God because I'm not singling any of you out or any of the people out there online that watch or any people in my life. At the end of the day, people act like they really care that you're going through something. And I think they probably do. But 99.9% of them people, those people, though they care that you're going through something, they care more that what you're going through, how it's going to affect them. How does this affect me? How does this affect my church? How does this affect my friendships? How does this affect my business? Because we're selfish by nature and we want the approval of man. And then we start worrying about how it's affecting them and then we wonder why we don't get back on track. Truth hurts. Fair man proved to be a snare. Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. There's peace in trusting God. There's understanding in trusting God. People actually had the nerve to come in. I say the nerve. And I hope you hear the I hope you don't hear the usual arrogance as I'm saying this. I'm not trying to be arrogant, I'm just being honest with you. What if, what if people leave over this? Bye. I don't want anyone to leave. But if they leave, it wasn't about God in the first place. It sure wasn't about what was best for me and Christine. What they're saying is, it's what's best for me. Well, bye. See, when you understand this, 
Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the fastest way to forget about what God thinks about you. We didn't understand that. They think I'm this. They think I'm that. I made some posts this week. Sure enough, the minute I made them, he hadn't changed looking at me, still being arrogant. No, 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 you read them with arrogance. I read them with facts. You know what the turning point was for me in my mental game this week? Was reminding myself who I am in Christ. See, we love to label people in the pit. We love to kick them down in the pit. We love to look down on them on the pit. Maybe you need to blah, blah. No, 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 maybe I need to be who God created me to be. And learn how to be who God created me to be while also taming the bad that can come out of my wiring. Because your greatest strength is also always your greatest weakness. We try to make somebody a shell of what they used to be and then wonder why they don't rebound. I had to get back and remember who God made me. And if people don't like who God made me, that's between them and God. Because if I'm seeking their approval, I'm never going to come out of what I'm supposed to come out of and do what I'm supposed to do. I had deep discussions with my wife about this week, about that this week. That's what y'all fail to realize. We have deep discussions. We don't always like what each other have to say. Even though I'm always right, she don't like it sometimes. Even though she's always right, I don't like it sometimes. See, we need to understand something. Every person in this room, God has a very specific opinion of you. And the quickest way to forget God's opinion of you is to start listening to man's opinion of you. We have to learn that God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make screw-ups. God is not surprised by how you are shaped and formed because he shaped and formed you. He said, and David said in the Psalms, I am wonderfully, I am fearfully made. God made you and he shaped you and he created you. And he put a DNA in you and he gave you the characteristics and he gave you the trials and tribulations that you go through that will shape you and make you who you are. You are perfectly imperfect. But we listen to what man thinks about us. Who cares? Why do you worry about that? I don't know if it's because we can audibly or visibly see man and we can audibly hear man. And so... We allow it to affect us, and we can't audibly hear God or visibly see God, but that's where faith kicks in because God has that that quiet voice in us, that peace that passes all understanding, and God clearly talks to us at times. Say, Gary, have you ever heard God talk? I've never heard God audibly talk. I've heard people say they have. I'm not questioning that. But God has never opened up the heavens and been like, Gary, wham. And my life would probably be better if he did But I want to tell you, there's been times in my life that I have heard the voice of God so clearly in my chest, so clearly through a song, so clearly through godly counsel, so clearly through this book that it couldn't have been any more clear had he verbally opened up the heavens and spoke down to me. See, I've never experienced that. But ask yourself, do you have a relationship with him? Now, let me make this clear. It doesn't happen all the time. I could probably count on two hands how many times I'm that dogmatic about it. But we've got to become obsessed with what God thinks about us and how God shaped us. I like in Galatians 1.10, and Paul's here, and he's, He's not trying to win the approval of man. Matter of fact, the people of Galatia, they already understood about Paul. They, they had, had credibility in his word. They knew he had been shipwrecked for them, calls of Christ. They knew he had been in prison many times for the cause of Christ. Um, he knew that he had been shunned by all the former religious people because of the cause of Christ. They knew the challenges that he had been through when he writes this. 
And yet, look what he says. He says in Galatians 1.10, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Like he says, obviously, like, it ought to be common sense. I don't care about the approval of people. He said, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. He says, I want to do what I'm created to do. I want to walk in the fullness of who God created me to be. I want to walk in the strength of who God created me to be, not the weakness of man who says I should be. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. He said, if I'm trying to people, please, chances are real good that I can't do what God has called me to do because people are not going to understand what I'm called to do. That goes outside these walls. If I wanted to people, please, I would worry about what the other pastors in this town think about me. I'd worry about what the other Christians think about me. I have a friend of mine who's a godly guy. He loves Jesus. He's a good dude. He is very respected in this community. And I'll never forget about three years ago, he called and said, can we go to lunch? And I said, sure. And he pulled me off the side and said, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you something. I said, okay. I said, why do you feel that way? I just feel like I have. I said, do you think God's telling you to tell me this? He said, no. He said, common sense is telling me to tell you this. I said, okay. And I'm just telling you what he said, so please hear my heart. I'm not trying to be. He said, when you're on your game, there's not another person in this town that can preach the word of God in such a simple way like you do. He said, if you tune it down just a notch... He said, if you didn't Gary so much, I like how my name has become a verb. So much. He said, if you'd go down there and maybe clean up that building a little bit and clean the parking lot up some. That's what he told me. He said, get a guy who knows how to lead worship, not singing bars. He said, maybe watch your tone a little bit. He said, within 12 months, he goes, you'd be back to having the biggest church in town. He goes, but here's where he lost me. He said, he said people would leave the church they attend in droves to come hear you. Well, he doesn't realize I didn't start this church to reach people who attend other churches. I'm thankful for those of you that came from other churches. I'm so glad you're here. I assume you're here because God led you to be here. But we started this church for those who don't do church. We've never cared about being the biggest church in town. I've done that. Been there, done that. Not only got the t-shirt to prove it, got the scars to prove it. Got the disdain for church to prove it. See, what he's saying is, this is the vision I have for you. But I know that I know that I know more than I know anything in my life, the vision God has for me in that area. When that man right there leaves, I leave. I'm ride or die with Phil May. I don't, I, 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 listen, with all due respect to all these modern worship guys, I cannot have some young, skinny, jean-wearing, black rim glasses... Sweet, praise God for those guys. They love Jesus and I get it. But I got to play in the same playground with them. I need a guy who is busting out Bon Jovi's story in my life before I get up and preach the word of God. Play in the same playground. He leaves, I leave. He decides I've had enough. I'm going to be like, man, let's shut the doors. I've had enough too. No one else is going to put up on me. The day we decide to clean, you know what? The place probably could use a fresh coat of paint. I mean, it's looking a little rough. I get it. And the trash cans could probably not be overflowing when we pull in. I get it. Where was I last night? 
Oh, Cartersville. Who are we talking to? Bubba, who are we talking to? And they were talking about church. And they said something about, we'll have people hung over at church tomorrow or something. I don't remember who it was. And I said, man, that's rough. I said, we'll have people hung over, used condoms in the parking lot, half-empty beer bottles in the parking lot, blood on the sidewalk from when they fought at the Spanish bar down the road. I said, I wouldn't know what to do if we showed up and all that wasn't happening. See, here's the deal. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I don't need the approval of all those people, and I love you. I don't need the approval of you even in that area. We know what God's called us to do. We don't apologize for that. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but I am guilty of it in areas. And I've got to get a grip on that because when I chase that, it leaves me lacking. It's the chase that I cannot win. The problem with chasing is I never catch it. (laughs) I catch that person's approval and this person doesn't approve. So I let go of this person to go chase that approval and it doesn't work. So I want to give you some facts about the disease to please and I'm going to get out of here quick. First thing we need to realize is people pleasing is a form of idolatry. It's one of the big ten. You say, what's idolatry? Anything you put ahead of God. See, we think idols... We think cute little carvings are little things that we physically can see. No, 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 no. Did you know that, man, your fitness can be idolatry? Anything wrong with fitness? No. As you can tell, I'm the epitome of fitness. But when it becomes God, anything wrong with money? Nope. Absolutely not. Someone says, money can't fix all your problems. Eh, it can fix a lot of them. Especially if you learn how to manage your money, right? But it can be, when I put it over God, it's adultery. This is what we do. We put the approval of others over the approval of God. And we make an idol out of needing their approval. We're more concerned with it. You know why most churches, most of your um, traditional churches maybe churches that were founded in the 40s and 50s. You know why so many of them have massive buildings and so few people? Because they quit becoming a movement. They were started as movements. They were growing. God was moving. And they became monuments. A movement is pushing forward, advancing. A monument is now looking to see what we've built. We're more interested in our traditions than we are the move of God. We're more interested in the way things have always been than a move of God. We're more interested in our building than a move of God. I literally the other day saw them making a post. They go to a church in this community. I love the church. It's a smaller traditional church. And I would imagine, only because I know those type of churches, that this church doesn't have a lot of first-time guests. And this person made a post and he said, I'm not one. They say I'm not one to complain. They're about to complain. I'm not one to gripe, is what they said, so they're about to gripe. That's what they said. Had a young family visit our church today. Awesome. The disrespect with the generation coming up. Walked in with a ball cap and never took it off. Thank you all. Take your hat off. I'll be honest with you, I I probably do too. But I'll be danged. How about that, danged? I'll be danged. Some first-time guest comes in this church, and I'm worried about their fact that, let me make this clear, I'll be danged if someone's come to this church for 10 years, and I'm going to worry about the fact they got a hat on over the fact they're hearing the Word of God preached. Like literally, it was all I could do. I, was, I typed this long response and deleted it. Typed this long response and deleted it. Then I called my buddy and I said, "Did you?" because I got a buddy of mine and he knows. I said, did you see what this idiot wrote? He said, I didn't. Let me go look. He said, oh yeah, that irritated you, didn't it? I said, man, the audacity. 
to worry about that. See, what he's done is he's made his building and his traditions and his code of manners an idol over Jesus. I kid you not, three months ago, the same person wrote complaining that someone walked into their sanctuary with a Starbucks coffee. Can't keep anything clean when you're spilling coffee all over the place. I did respond. I said, I said did they spill the coffee? Well, no, they could have. I said, okay. The funny thing was he posted a picture of the church when he did like the sanctuary. This is God's domain and we don't want things to be ruined. And you only understand this. Lou will understand this if you grew up in old churches. So old churches were decorated in two ways, either red velvet, red carpet, and red, or gold carpet and gold pews. This one had the gold carpet and gold pews, which let me know that carpet was from probably 1978. That coffee wasn't going to hurt it. That, co- that carpet was sanctified 25 years ago. But he was worried about someone drinking a coffee. He said, what's the point of that? My point is, we make things idols that don't matter, and the church has done that. Let me give you some scripture. John 12. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Because of the Pharisees, because of the religious, these people would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they'd be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. When you love human praise more than praise from God, you've made an idol out of human praise. Is there anything wrong with human praise? Nope. We all love to be praised. But when we become addicted to the praise, I tell people all the time that I I mentor in, in business, and I say, listen, man, ignore the jeers and ignore the cheers. Because both of them can flip on you in a minute. That's what fans do. Fans cheer you when you win and they boo you when you lose. We, we make an idol out of people pleasing. Second thing, and I'm done right here. The approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. When you're walking in the Spirit... And I'll be honest with you, I probably haven't been walking in the Spirit like I should lately. When you're walking in the Spirit, and you're walking with that peace that passes understanding, and you're solidified in what God has called you to do, it sets you free from the disease to please other people. It sets you free from the disease to need their approval. Now, I'm good about this in some areas. It's one of the reasons I can be so dogmatic about the vision of this church. I know that I walk in the approval of God in that area. But it's why I fell in business, because I want to please people. I'm chasing all the wrong things in that aspect of my life, and that seems in, in, in relationships and in, in, in finances and in notoriety and all of those things. I mean, I get to where I'm chasing the approval of man instead of the approval of God, and the confidence I walk in the two different areas is completely different. Why? Because over here I'm walking in the approval of God. Over here, I'm walking in the approval of man. I'm worried about what other people think about me and what I do more than I am the peace that God is blessing me and I'm walking in his blessing. Man, I told you I'm preaching to myself. That's why I need a break next week. That's why Christine's preaching. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians round two. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who test our hearts. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Paul said, I don't care what you think about me. I don't seek your approval. Now, here's the deal. When I say I don't care what other people think and I'm walking in in the flesh, that comes across as arrogance. 
comes across as cocky. Because I really do, it comes across as a lie. Because I really care what they think. When I'm walking in the confidence of God, I don't care what other people think. I don't care their thoughts on me. But it doesn't come, a pla- come from a place of arrogance. It comes from a place of confidence. I'll tell you the difference. In my previous life, at the church that shall not be named, let's say we were creating a revolution at that time. I used to always say, I answer to God. And it was so an arrogance. That was my way of eliminating the criticism. Because that was right when social media was get going. Man, I was pretty known on social media. I had been named one of the top ten blogs in Christian Christianity and one of the top ten Twitter accounts in Christianity. And people were coming from all over. I would get on a plane and fly over and teach other people. And, and the church was growing. And right before I lost, it was the 16th fastest growing church in America. And all that stuff sounds really good. Except the problem, I don't know that God was impressed with any of it. Because those are all business metrics that impress man. And people were like, you got to, I said, I'm answered. You got to answer to God. It was arrogance. Now when people challenge the vision, we're definitely not setting any attendance numbers here. Definitely ain't got the most glamorous building around it. But boy, she's ours, ain't she? Now I say, I don't care what the outside thinks. I answer to God. See the difference in those two? Same things, but one's in the flesh. One's in the spirit. Two weeks ago, had you come to me about my situation that I shared with you last week, I'd have told you I don't care what you think. Out of arrogance. Now I tell you, we're working those things out and we're on tune. And I don't care what you think. I don't answer to you about my personal story. You don't answer to me about your personal story. It's your story. The difference between approval of God and approval of man. See, the problem is we simply, and I got ahead of myself earlier, we forget who we are. We forget who God created us to be. So Gary, how do we move past the approval of man and seek the approval of God? I am convinced we get back to remembering who we are. Who does God say you are? That's all that matters. Who does God say you are? Well, in 2 Corinthians, he says you're a new creation in Christ. You're not who you used to be. If you knew me B.C. before Christ, you don't know me now. I'm new. For that matter, if you knew me 20-something years ago as a new Christian, you don't know me now. For that matter, if you knew me 10 years ago, you don't know me now. I'm a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. He has shaped you and molded you. And, fo- and by the way, those messes that you go through that the, doesn't get the approval of man, those messes are what he's going to use for your greatest ministry. You just don't realize it. If we had no mess, how do we minister? I, 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 I don't want to share too much. David Westerg has walked with me over the last two weeks, but he said something that stuck out to me. I remember calling him, and I said, man, you ain't going to like what I'm about to tell you. I said, man, I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say it. Like, I don't even, I'm like, I'm glad you ain't in front of me. We're on the phone. I'm going to say it. He said, let me cut you off before you say it. He said, there ain't nothing you can tell me that you're thinking or doing that I ain't already done. That's powerful. He said, you ain't telling me nothing. I ain't, you ain't going to leave me speechless. Man, you're forgiven and your sins are washed away. Someone told me this week, it flew all over me, but I was in the flesh. I was in the flesh. I still don't agree with what was said, but I, I, it was said in 
lack of knowledge, I think, and from a place of hurt. They said, grace and forgiveness is not instantaneous. No, baby, it is. It is. Forgetting might not be instantaneous. Getting over the pain is not instantaneous. Getting over the hurt is not instantaneous. But thank God we are forgiven and our sins are washed away. But Gary, you don't know it. Don't matter what you did. But they keep, don't matter what they keep reminding you about. They didn't like. Doesn't matter what they don't like. We seek the approval of God and not the approval of man. Man, you're more than conquerors through Christ. Man, that hit me. Because someone told me I have a conquering complex, and they're right. I want to conquer everything. I want to conquer business. I want to conquer finance. And I want to conquer relationships. I want to conquer, 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 conquer. But I'm more than a conqueror. I limit myself by allowing a conqueror to be my identity. Through Christ, I am so much more than that. I think the pinnacle is being a conqueror. Look what I conquer. No. Christ is big deal. You didn't conquer any of it without me. Unless the things you did conquer without me, you did in the flesh and didn't need to conquer. You're God's masterpiece. So I don't know much about art, but I've learned a little bit. I met the art lady here in town. Um, back when David and I were talking about doing a distillery, I reached out to her to see if she knew anybody who had a mural. And we talked about, hey, if we ever opened a distillery, it'd be cool to do some art shows. Well, that led to that didn't happen. And I said, hey, why don't we do an art show at Fife? So I don't know a lot about art. But here's what I've learned about art. <laughs> Woo. Art is in the eye of the beholder. Because I'm going to tell you something, sons. I've seen some stuff they call art that is not art to me. You say, why are you saying that? Here's why. Look to the person on your right. Look to the person on your left. I get it. They ain't much to look at, some of them. But they're God's art piece. They're God's masterpiece. And God doesn't make junk. You need to be reminded of who you are. You're the light of the world. Has there ever been a time where, by the way, if you're sitting next to your wife, that didn't apply, you better look at her and say, baby, you are a masterpiece. <laughs> I know, that's what called my attention, you. I saw you, that's what made me say that. <laughs> you're the light of the world. Has there ever been a time where things seemed more dark than right now? And God left us as Christ followers to be the light in the darkness. There was ever a time we need to be seeking God's approval instead of man's approval. It's now. Listen, you understand you're filled with, I maybe will do a series on the Holy Spirit soon. You're filled with the same spirit that raised Christ. The God who raised Christ from the dead. The God who has a spirit inside of you. And you don't think you can conquer anything in life? Man, we're joint heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. Man, we're Christ's ambassadors. Our actions are a reflection of Christ. We're the only Jesus people see. Now here, I want to tell you this, though. I want to tell, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The church has got that wrong. You're Christ's ambassador, so have it all together. Uh Uh-uh. He had it all together, so we don't have to have it all together. The unbelieving world doesn't relate to you being fake and having it all together. They relate to being like, that dude is effed up, and there's still, there's something, there's still, there's something different about him. That guy, man, he don't have it together. But there's something different about him. That's a God I can relate to. We're righteous in we're the righteousness of God in Christ. Through Christ, we're made righteous. It's not our works anyway that can get us to heaven. Man, we're deeply loved by God. That's the greatest to me. 
We're deeply loved by God. It doesn't matter what we do. That doesn't mean we can't grieve the heart of God. It doesn't mean we can't break the heart of God. It doesn't mean God will not chastise us. Hello. But when you chastise your children, do you quit loving them? No, I actually chastise them because I love them. If I didn't love them, I wouldn't care what they do. I want the best out of them. And sometimes I realize, I was going to say the, see, I'm, I was going to say sometimes the pimp hand, but I'm going to say the dad hand. Bam. Let me grow them before your eyes. Good Lord. Sometimes the dad hand is out of love. Sometimes God give us that God hand out of love. Because I know you, none of you are like this, but I got to have the God hand up. Like, I'm a person of extremes. I don't learn. <laughs> David told me something. He said, man, he goes, you listen. Sometimes I got to tell you five times to get you to listen. I'm stubborn. Sometimes God's got to smack you down. Sometimes you got to be sleeping in your office on the couch at 47 years old to be like, screw this. This is stupid. Why are you sharing all this personal stuff? Because I'm always going to keep it real with you. And the day I can't keep it real with you, man, the day I don't need to be your pastor. If it scares you off, it scares you off. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for your contributions to this church. But I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do fake. Can't do it. Gotta let you know, man, I'm screwed up sometimes. We don't care about the approval of man, we care about the approval of God. And God loves us in spite of our screw-ups. He's a good, good God. Hey, quit pursuing the approval of man. And again, don't miss out on saying the approval of man is not always bad, except when you put it over the approval of God. Next week, Christine's going to be talking about the chase for comfort. So many of us miss out on God's life, and we don't take the risk God wants us to date because we want to be comfortable. God never called you to a life of comfort. Maybe, I, maybe we'll teach you together because I'm another extreme in that. We'll have a fight right here on stage. <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep it real. <laughs> Hey, I love you. I hate this series. I can't wait for the next series in November. Let's pray.